Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We look back from where you brought us, how your hands kept us, how your arms held us, how your voice led us, and how your love saved us. Where mountains wouldn't budge, where giants stayed up, where we fell to the currents and the storms wouldn't stop. When the road was wide, but the doors were shut, no answer in sight, no hope, just gave up. When your heart couldn't stand the separation, the sorrow, the grief, our spiritual incarceration made ourselves our own slaves. We would forge our own chains when we tried to bring fruit, but our fate stayed the same. Our strength fading, our hearts melting. We're headed to death, but your love unrelenting. You broke every chain with the power in your name. You took us from nothing to something rejected, now accepted, broke our bondage, gave us a name, now a part of your kingdom and never the same. Where you paid for our triumph, where you brought our victory with a name, you gave us power, power to overcome. Do you hear them rising up? The army that's relentless and ready to take the call, running on his grace and his loving embrace, never alone as we look to his face, because now chains are broken, doors are open, our people chosen, our hearts are woken, we broke every chain, so rise up, rise up church, do you hear them rising up, there's an army in this place, your mercy upon our life we thank you for this day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad we thank you lord for the opportunity to worship and to lift up praises to your name we pray that our hearts would be centered in alignment that we're to seek you with all of our heart all of our strength all of our mind that we should glory in our creation in our creator and in the purposes you have for our life that satan would have no part of our families, of our steps, of our breaths here upon the earth, but that we might abound in your grace and we might serve you with liberty and freedom and gladness. We pray that your word would be instrumental in clearing up the pathway and our understanding to life. We pray that you would prosper your word in our hearts and allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and the bread of life and the sword, the double-edged sword that cuts into the deepest part of our thoughts and our soul and our spirit. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a good seed, that it would not return void, but that it would fulfill the purpose for which you send it, Lord. And we welcome your word into our hearts and into our lives that we not sin against you, and that our life might be in the measure and the fullness and the conformity of the image of Christ in all things, that we might abound in love and in purpose that we might hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the rest of your Lord. Father, we give you thanks because we know that your word will do mighty things in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And last week, uh, as we rushed out of here at the second service, our flights got canceled to Nashville, Tennessee. 
We didn't understand why, but uh, God's timing is that Nashville, Tennessee will come in the next couple of weeks with the meetings we had this week. And so all our plane reservations and our hotel reservations are already preserved for that purpose. But we were talking about world-changing proof. And our concern was there's going to be a lot of people in heaven thinking that they did the right thing at the right place at the right time. And they're going to be utterly confused. We talked about Matthew 25, which will be on that day. He will separate the goats from the sheep. And he will tell the goats, you didn't do as I wanted you to do. Um, uh, we talked about Genesis 19, verse 14, when Lot spoke to his son-in-laws. They couldn't see he was serious. So if we're not serious about what's going on, we might be thinking that God is not going to bring judgment. Uh, as Lot ran to his son-in-laws and says, hey, I have a message for you, and it's for us to get out of this place because God's going to judge uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And it seemed to them that he was joking. So the biggest travesty upon the earth is that you get around with jokesters and they don't take life serious. So they, you know, they, they play with that and it's going to be a horrific future for those that don't take this serious. Um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, as we talked about last week, how they lied to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 5. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 5 verse 5. They brought proceeds uh, and they kept part of it and they lied to the Holy Spirit and they were judged. They were playing in the presence of God. And I, I told my kids since they were born and they could understand my communication, the only things we don't play with is God. We don't play with God. We don't play with church. We don't fool around because, and, and, and Nick said it the best when he preached here last couple of weeks. He says, don't take God's name in vain. Don't play around with it because one day you're going to need it for a healing, for a restoration, for an answer to prayer. So you don't want to put that in play take it serious and i've been telling my kids since they were born take god serious take the affairs of god serious don't make fun of god's people god's leaders um, and then he uh we see in the book of jude uh, verse one he says i was going to write you concerning this common salvation but it's necessary that i would write you uh concerning people that have snuck into the work of god jude chapter one verse one a bondservant of Christ, brother of James, to the sanctified by God and called. Verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied. Verse 3. Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning this salvation, but I found it necessary to tell you to fight earnestly for this faith that you have received. Why? Verse 4. Because certain men have crept in unnoticed. There are people in Christianity, and they're not the real thing. They're in the circus, but uh, the, the Christian fanfare, but they're not living for God. They don't, they don't have Christ as Lord. Um, Romans 16, 17 says like this. He says, notice those people that are among you that have no cohesiveness. I urge you to take note of those people that are causing division, those people that are disconnecting people. Um, this is different than what you have learned. Avoid these guys. Verse 18, because they don't serve Jesus Christ for such that are like this, that are disconnecting people, disconnecting, disconnecting, uh, instead of being part of the team, moving forward, going on with the cause of Christ. They do not serve the Lord. They serve their own belly. They're serving their own interests. They're serving, they got their own thing about, they're not, one of the things that this trip to Orlando, to men, was this is the heart of God. God wants to save men everywhere. If you're going to be in the business of God, your interest is the interest of God. And what is that? That men would be champions. 
that the, they would take on and flourish in the image and likeness of God. That's what he gave his son, the largest investment God ever made. The death of his son on the cross was made to reach lost men. So if you're in that, you're part of God's team. And you're not disconnecting and you're not creating havoc and doing all other sorts of things. So there's a lot of stuff um, in the Christian world that is very mixed up. We had talked about three of the things that show that you're a real Christian. And well, we began with the first sign. I'm not going to go over it again. If you want to know the first one in its totality, get last week's message. But the first one is a relationship with Christ. Those people that are authentic, they don't have a relationship with anybody but Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful through whom you were called to have a connection with Jesus Christ. That is what makes you a real Christian. One of the things that I looked at my wife to make sure that she was the one was not that she was attractive only, not that she came from a good family only, not that she had a good head on her shoulders only. My pinpointed search was, does she have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Does she love the Lord? And when I saw that was there, I said, everything else is just gravy. She has the substance of what I need to know that's legitimate. I don't want to marry somebody who's not real in their relationship with Christ. So a real Christian has a relationship with Christ. They're not playing games. They're not at church because the pastor wants them to be or because their wife makes them come. They're at church because they want to honor the person they have a relationship with is Jesus. So a real Christian is connected to Jesus. Number two, he's sensitive to sin. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to go into it all. But God is going to deal with sin in your life as the forefront. And we left off with number three, which is, do you obey the word of God? Well, I don't, I don't read the word of God. Well, then you're not a Christian. You don't read the word of God, you're not a Christian. Because a Christian wants to keep the commandments of the Lord. And I came to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you tell me that I have to obey your word. I don't even read your word. And then he says, you better start reading, buddy. You better start finding out what's in that book called the Bible because that will be the authenticity, the genuine reality of a relationship with me. You cannot have a relationship. Well, me and my God are very close. Well, tell me how often you read the Bible. I don't. Well, that's how close you are to your God. Because he who loves God keeps his commandments. He who loves God keeps his commandments. We said that last week. Now watch this. 1 John chapter 2 verse 4. He who says, I know God and doesn't keep his commandments. 1 John 2 4. He who says, I'm close to God and does not keep his commandments is a liar. So we talked about last week, I met a man who says, your relationship with God is just like my relationship with God. And I said, let me, please, let me. I, I looked at him right there, nose to nose. I said, you're a liar. Just to let you know, you're a liar. It was face to face. I just, just met the man, but I wanted him to not be deceived in thinking he had a relationship with God. How many, how many love the word of God, how direct it is? Some of the guys were reading our book this weekend, and we gave it to them on Thursday night. On Friday morning, they go, hey, man, you're... Your book cut me. All last night was cut me up. I'm all cut up. That's what the word of God does. I'm going to read this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 10 where some people says, no, the word of God is sweet. It's nice. This guy says, the preacher sought to find some nice acceptable words of what was written upright true words. 
He was trying to not to offend anybody. Let me, let me be as nice as I can. Verse 11, he says, And I found out that the words of the wise are like nails. That word goads is the old term nails. And words of the scholar are driven nails. Given by a shepherd. Given by somebody who's real, authentic. The word of God makes you say, ready? You say with me, ouch. Ouch, ouch. Because why? Because he's messing with us. He's getting into us. It's like a double-edged sword doesn't, it's not a butter knife. It's not like, I a little bit. No, it's like, you're like, Ugh! the word of God is messing with us. He who does not keep his commandments, 1 John 2, 4, is a liar and there is no truth in him. There's no reality. That word truth is reality. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, now the love of God is connected to him and he's being perfected. God is perfecting him. And by this we know that we are in him. How? Because we're in this word, man. We're in this word. We got the opportunity to meet with Pastor Reza Safa there in Orlando, have dinner with him on Friday night with his son Jonathan. And he says like this, he says, Joaquin, I don't allow anybody to come to my church unless they bring a Bible. I'm like, uh oh, my guys read it up on the screen. But the truth is we should all bring our Bible to church. And the reason why we bring our Bible to church is because we're underlining stuff we're learning so we could go to the world, to our family and friends, and be able to say, look what the word of God says. You say you have a relationship with God without his word, but this is what he says. You're a liar. And I don't want to offend you, but I don't want you to live a lie either. I don't want you to be deceived. So I encourage you guys. We'll put two bodyguards out in the front. If you don't bring your Bible next Sunday, you won't be in the house of God. <laughs> Just kidding. But I encourage you strongly to have the word of God on your lap. Have a pencil. Have a pad. And don't waste my time. Don't waste God's time. And be instructed. And be knowledgeable. And the three ways that the devil was defeated in the life of Jesus, every time the devil came into his life, he says, no, it's written right here. And he says, yeah, but no, it's written right here. No, but it's written right here. And nowadays, Christians want to go, but I feel, but I thought, but what happened to me, none of that is real. What's real is the Word of God. And you stand on the Word of God, and you love God, and you know God, and you'll overcome the enemy. So there it is. Now we start on number uh, four today, because we did three last week. Uh, fourth proof that you are in the truth, 1 John chapter uh, 3 verse 19 by this we know we are of the truth by this we know first john three nineteen. by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him because a lot of them a lot of us struggle am i a real christian am i not a real christian does god really love me is he am i going to heaven is this just a man's philosophy is this religion and and he says no by this you know that you're in the truth verse uh, 20 he says, for our, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. So God wants you to be solidly in truth and in reality, affirming to you that you're his son, that you're going to heaven, that you're forgiven, that you're walking true to God, true to yourself, true to others. 1 John 4, 6 says, we are from God and he who knows God listens to us. If you're saying amen to what you hear in the word of God, you're doing pretty good. If you're saying, no way, no way, that's not true, uh, that's, that type of stuff, that is a problem. 
We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And this is how we know. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See those two spirits that are working? Truth and error. A lot of people says, I'm not listening to God. Well, I'm just letting you know that's fine. That's your prerogative. But I know you're listening to a spirit of error. See, see the other spirit? And this is what people don't protect themselves from. They're, they're not safeguarding themselves from lies. They're believing lies. They're, they're converting to lies. They're conforming and taking the form of lie to such an extent that, that young people, their parents says, don't go get a tattoo. I'm not listening to you. They run over here, and then the first imbecile comes by and says, hey, man, you would look good with a tattoo right on your forehead, and it says, donkey. And like, yeah, yeah, man, we look good right here, right? Donkey. And they go and they get, I'm not going to listen to my parents. And then they listen to someone who has nothing to do with blessing on their life. And isn't that awful that some men now will not listen to a pastor at a church. I'm not listening to any man. And then they come over here and they obey the spirit of mammon. And they get into hoarding wealth and they get into selfishness and they get into, they're listening to, to doctrines of demons. They're listening to voices that is governing their steps, and the disaster is their families. The proof is in the pudding. They have nothing to give to their children. So in this regards, we know we are of God if we listen to him, and we know the spirit of truth, the distinction. I want you to know these two things, spirit of truth, spirit of error. Which one are you listening to? If you're listening to the voice of self, you're going to find yourself in error. The voice of truth is going to tell you to love the things that God loves and hate the things God hates. That's the fourth test. You know you're a real Christian if you love what God loves and hates what God hates. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. The world and the things in it. The world and the things in it. Do not love them. Because if anyone loves and has their affection set on the world, then they have no room for the love of the Father. See these two things? The reality of a real Christian is he's already divorced himself from the world and its lust and its desires. I'm not going to go that direction because I know that it's destruction. I'm going to allow the love of the Father to be in me. And this loving what God loves and hating what God hates is the fourth proof that you're a real Christian. You begin to allow your soul and your emotions and your goals to line up with God's desire. Christians won't feel that way towards anything in this world because they know the world is coming to the end and they know that this world, it right now belongs to the devil. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God, but the whole world is being deceived under the wicked, under the sway of the wicked one. See the difference between belonging to God and following the world. All these guys, I was talking to some of the guys that went with us to Orlando. We were going through the lobby of the hotel and happy hour was going on on Friday night and people were drinking and they're having parties. I'm like, man, what is so attractive to that destruction? Why, why, why do they, like ants going for sugar, come together in these places by the droves, by huge multitudes when in there... All there is is the same destruction that happened to their parents, that happened to their cousins, that happened to their uncles. That all the destruction is there. Adultery, fornication, lying, cheating. Uh, but they're all there surrounded 
you know, two-for-one drinks, and, and they're all there. And I'm like, what attracts them to that? Well, the love of the Father is not in them. They haven't tasted and seen the blessing it is. And so me and George Caracol were saying, Lord, thank you for pulling us out of the world. Thank you that our affections are not in that place, but in another place. So there it is. It says in 1 John chapter 519, the whole world is being deceived and controlled by the evil one, but we're the children of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world, and that's where, where Paul tells him, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. He's put something over their eyes so they could not see. They don't believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose the image should shine on them. They're not seeing the light of the gospel. John 12, 31, Jesus says, Now there is condemnation or judgment on this world because the ruler of this world is soon to be cast out. His reign is going to come to an end. I hope you're on God's team, loving what God loves. Because that other, that other area, lights out, is going to come to an end. Romans 7, uh, verse 15, for he says, I don't understand there's a battle in me. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I want to do, that I do not practice. What I do do, what I hate, that's what I'm doing. So this is what starts you out understanding that you're a Christian. There's that battle between the love of the world and the love of the Father. And that, that, that is excruciating, uh, what's it called, a... Uh, a tug and pull, a tug of war, the, the, you know, who do I follow, who do I love, who do I serve, who do I give myself to, and that's the reality of those that are in Christ, and, and that best described there in 1 John five sixteen for all that is in the world, all the lusts, all the lust of the eyes, the things that attract the eyes, the pride of life, what you boast in, this is not from the Father. All these things, we're reading uh, John, 1 John 5, 5, 16. It says, if anyone sees, is that it? No, I got the wrong one there. Mm -mm -mm. Let's try, let's try um, 2 John 5, 16. See if that's not it, and if it's not, we'll move on. Let me find it. This, this, uh, this tug of war that's taking place is our physical body being driven away from God's purposes. Uh, 1 John 2, 1 John 2, I put 5, it's 2.16. 1 John 2.16, it says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that which attracts this body, attracts the eyes, the pride and boasting of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Verse uh, 17 and the world is passing. I have people that, that they do this for five years. I'm leaving my wife because I found an attractive woman. Uh, I'm leaving the church because I found an attractive business. I'm leaving. And, and they're, they're going somewhere, but that comes to an end. And then when they're at the end, they're like, where's my wife? Where's my pastor? Where's my church? And they're, because it came to an end. It, it passed. That glory faded. It wasn't there forever. The world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God he is having a great life. I'm 30 years into it, and this is just getting started with the purposes of God. So I tapped into the reality of God, and I didn't allow the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, being a lawyer, being a wealthy man, all those things tempting you and say, no, all that glory is passing. I want, the, I want to see what God has with my life. I want to see what his purposes are. 
I want to be a real Christian. I'm not, I'm not doing this for any other reason. So I'm not following the devil. Um, I'm not allowing the lust of the world. Uh, these things pass, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. John 17, 14. Uh, Jesus is speaking about us that are genuine and real in this life. He says, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. How many have experienced as a Christian, the world's not going to like you? They're not going to like you. They, they want you to tell them something worldly. And if you come up with something worldly, man, you're going to be the friend of sinners. But if you should say, hey, look what the Bible says, it's like, you're like, did I, did I pass gas? What happened here? What happened? Why do people not like me? Why? Because you're the light. You represent reality, and they want to live fantasy. You represent real, and they want you to lie to them. Um, and he says, they're in the world, but not of the world. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world, Jesus says. I'm not a part of this thing either. Verse uh, 15, is it? Yep. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Some Christians say, good Lord, just take me out. I can't handle the stress. I'm surrounded by people. Ah. No. I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That the, the, the devil doesn't lie, doesn't direct their steps. Verse 16, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Can you say that this morning? I'm not of the world. That's why they don't understand me. We were talking yesterday as we were coming back from our trip. If we were to surround myself with my lawyer friends, and I tell them we're going to Orlando to hang out at a men's conference in a little hotel on the edge of town. There's no money to be made. There's no women. There's no alcohol. There's nothing to do in the natural. And they're like, you, my friend, are a psychopath. They would think I'm nuts. They think George is nuts. But we're changing the world. We're going to be in every city. We're going to be in every town telling men how to leave the world with its lust and its passions and its deception. That's what we're doing. We're, we're, our team is solid. We didn't even take our team. I mean, we took some of our team. They're like, who are you guys? Eh, we're changing the world. It's just changing the world. We have decided to believe Christ. We're walking with him. We love him. We're in his word. We're meditating. We're in his alignment. We're in his assignment. We're in, we're, we want to be found righteous at the Lord's coming. We're not letting the world steal it from us. John 3, 19, he says, this is the judgment. Light has come to the world and men prefer darkness rather than light. Rather than light because they wanted to continue to do evil things. That's why a lot of people don't come to church. Some man came up to me last week and said, oh, my girlfriend doesn't want to come to church. Listen to me. Your girlfriend doesn't want to stop fornicating, my friend. It's not an issue about coming to church. She doesn't want to be in the place where we are saying fornicators go to hell. Understand this. It's not about church. It's that her deeds are wrong, so she doesn't want to be in a place where those of us that love God and want to make sure that we're following God are walking in that regard. So, um, loving what God loves, hating what God hates is a great measure of knowing that you are my friend, walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. You are getting ever closer to God's desire for your life. Uh, I want to invite you. We're just going to keep on in this series. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. We're, we're tapping into reality. That was one of my concerns when I gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't want to be in church thinking I wanted to be out there. I didn't want to be surrounded by, you know, godly men if in my heart I wanted to be around non-men, pseudo-men, little men, puny men. 
And so let's stand this morning and say, God, I want to be the real thing. And it's not Coca-Cola. I want to be genuine. I want to be real. I want my heart to, to line up to God's heart. And not an intellectual philosophy. I want my life to conform to the image of son. Let's read that before we ask the musicians to come forward. In Romans 8, 29. There's a lot of people doing ministry and going to church every day. They know the Bible by the, like the back of their hand, but they are not, it says here, for whom he foreknew. He knew you from the, before you were born in your mother's womb. He knew you. Some of you, your mom was told, ma'am, you will not be having children. And then came you. And so God had that already in line. And prepared. And so you came into this world. He foreknew you. He also predestined. He has your destiny in mind. He knows why he created you. And the end all be all of our life is to be taking the form conformed to the image of his son. Each day looking more and more like Jesus. Living more and more like Christ. That Christ might be the firstborn amongst many, many. There's many. You guys say, well, there's not many. Yes, there is. He's going to be the first of many brethren who are following in his footsteps, who talk like him, who walk like him, who live as he lives. One of the, the statements of Jesus in John 8, 29, one of our favorite verses around here is he says, he who sent me is always with me. He who sent me here to the earth is with me. The Father has not left me alone for one second. He'll never leave you. He'll never, you'll leave him. You might betray him. You might walk away, but he will never stop calling you back to be his son. Amen. The Father has not left me. Why? Because I sometimes, no, it says I always do those things that please him. I want to hear God. I want to live for God. And guess what? That's the greatest glory upon our lives. That's the greatest work. When we're doing the work of God, I guarantee you, it's greater than any other thing. Men like to invest in land. Men like to invest in stock. Men like to invest in their family. When you invest in God, my friend, when you say, God, what are the plans that you have for me? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, things eyes have never seen, things eyes have never heard, or ears have never heard, Things that haven't even entered into the heart of man are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. For those who really are sold out and surrendered. And we're just getting to scratch the surface of this for our generation. I was telling the men that, that my grandfather lived 72 years upon the earth. My grandfather. It's my dad's dad. My other grandfather must have lived similar in his 70s. From neither side paternal or maternal grandfathers left me one word listen to me in any area of my life to help me be a prosperous and blessed man grandfather my dad's side know him real good lived with him for many years and then my grandfather from my mom's side which I didn't know as well but we visited him and he wrote letters and from both sides the devil was able to shut off any information to come to my life to say Joaquin a good husband tah. a good man businessman tah. a wise man tah. Uh, this life when you're good 
Nothing. No legacy. No inheritance. They all went for money. They all went for fame. They all went for the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And they left me as an orphan with zero. I refuse to do that to my grandchildren. My grandchildren are going to, man, they're going to know what to do when they go into the bathroom. In a private, they're going to go into their closet. They're going to know what shoes and how to honor God. And so that's the richness and the wealth that God is calling us to, to be the real thing. As we sing this song, you just tell the Lord this morning, thank you, God, because Jesus is so genuine. He's transforming my life to not look like the world, not to desire the things of the world, not to follow Satan's deception and lies.